Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. I want to start with today, dimensions of answered prayers. The first thing I want to let you know is that in the book of Luke chapter 18 verse 1, the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 18 verse 1, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior is speaking. He said, men always ought to pray. Now he's talking about you and I, okay? So this is not gender specific. This is men and women. We always ought to pray. Emphasis on the word always. Always ought to pray. This is an instruction from Jesus Christ. He said we've got to pray all the time, okay? When Jesus came here, he prayed all the time. This is Jesus when he was here, when God became man, and he had no sin. He was born of a virgin he himself is the word and he was anointed without measure nevertheless he prayed all the time he prayed early in the morning mark chapter 1 verse 35 he prayed all night luke chapter 6 verse 12 he prayed when he was inside the water luke chapter 3 verse 21 he prayed on the mountain luke chapter 9 verse 18 okay he prayed at the grave of lazarus john chapter 11 verse 41 to 44 he prayed everywhere jesus prayed at all times and he's now told us this is how it's going to work. Men always ought to pray. Second scripture, Mark eleven seventeen. Stay with me this morning. Mark eleven seventeen. Jesus said, He taught them, saying, Is it not written, My house? Now, I, I, I really like this. Jesus said, My house, my house, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build the church. He said, I will build my church. Now he says, my house. There are many houses, but one of the ways you will know the one that is my own is that it will be a house of prayer. For all nations, any nation, it doesn't matter whether it's North America, Africa, Asia, you know, Caribbean islands, South America. It doesn't matter where it is or in Europe. He said, my house. For every nation, in every nation, for all nations, in every nation, there are many houses where people gather. Jesus said, the way you will know my own is that it will be a place of prayer. He said, and if it's not a place of prayer, and you think it's my house, and you go in there, he said, you can be rest assured, it's a den of thieves. Listen carefully. I would rather believe Jesus than believe men. Jesus said, if you think, if you see the house, that looks like my house, but there's no prayer there, and you step in there and sign on to be part of it, it says it's a den of thieves. A den of thieves here is not talking about physical thieves. For the thief comes not except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's talking about Satan. In other words, in a place that is called church, where there's no prayer, he's saying that it is a very ripe an ideal atmosphere for the kingdom of darkness to operate at will. Okay? In a place whereby it's called the church, people gather, and there is no prayer going on. Jesus Christ is the one saying this, and he should know. He said, listen, it's a place where this, the kingdom of darkness and their agents operate 
at will, with impunity. It's a den of thieves. In a den of thieves, the thieves don't even feel any sense of risk. In a den of thieves, they feel very comfortable. They do whatever they want to do because they don't, there's no sense of risk. Jesus said that's the way it is. Keep those two scriptures in mind, please. We're going to look at them more as we go on in this series. However, for today, let me pivot very quickly. Please note that the most frustrating thing, I can tell you for sure, from 21 years of experience preaching to thousands of people all across the place, one of the most frustrating things for an average Christian is this thing called prayer. It's very frustrating. And, 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 and I've been searching, why? Why is it so? And part of the reason why it's so is that most people have just jumped into prayer without learning prayer. You see, when you become born again, particularly in the Pentecostal, in Pentecostal and charismatic churches, and you desire to pray, and you may probably walk up to somebody and say, excuse me, you know, I would like to just develop myself in the spiritual and I want to start praying. How can I do that? Now, you're asking a sincere question, being prompted by the Holy Spirit. The normal answer is, ah, you want to pray. Go and join people that are praying. You learn prayer by praying. That's an absurd statement. Not only is it, is it, is, is it incorrect, it, it shows a lot of absurdity. Do you learn, do you become a doctor by just talking to patients? Nobody becomes a doctor and says, oh, you know what, my desire in life as an 11-year-old boy or 11-year-old girl, my desire in life is to be a surgeon. So, yo, you want to be a surgeon? Just keep on opening people's heads. You will figure it out later on. That's not how to become a surgeon. That's not how to become a doctor. You go to school for it. That is why in Luke chapter 11 verse 1, please listen carefully. Luke chapter 11 verse 1, the disciples of Jesus came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And they came to him while he was praying. Not this now. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And they came to him and said, teach us to pray just like John the Baptist taught his own disciples to pray. Now notice something here very quickly. Jesus said, they said, teach us to pray. Jesus didn't say, oh, you can see me pray. Just join me. Why don't you just join me and you learn prayer by joining me? No. Jesus did not say that. Then he started teaching them to pray. This is a very instructive thing. Friends, listen carefully. We don't learn prayer by watching people that are praying. We don't. We learn prayer first and foremost by understanding the scriptural basis that undergirds our actions. I'll take that again. We learn prayer by understanding the scriptural basis that undergirds the actions taken in the place of prayer. That's how it makes meaning. That's why it makes meaning. Okay? That's why it makes meaning. So, I go to the clinic to go and see my family doctor for a for, you know, regular checkup. Doctor comes takes the telescope, puts it in his ears, and takes it and places it on my heart, towards my left-hand side, places it on my heart, and says, hmm, hmm. Then he goes behind me and says, take a deep breath. I take a deep breath, and he puts it on my back. Hmm. Then he says, he says hold the breath. Then he says, come on, breathe out. I breathe out. He says, take another deep breath. Then he says, okay. Then he takes it off. 
and start writing and write, write some things and says, okay. And confess says, ah, and I see that. I said, man, I like this. <laughs> I like what this man is doing. <laughs> you know, this is good. Then you take the telescope. I said, well, I know that the man puts it in front at one time. Then he goes behind and Then you take the telescope. You, you jack it on the belly of the person. You don't even know what you're listening to. You don't even know what you're doing. Why did he go to the back? You have to understand that what he's checking for in the front is not what he's checking for at the back. What he's trying to check for at the back when he says, breathe in, breathe out, he's trying to hear what is going on in your lungs. In the front, he's trying to hear what is going on in your heart. If you don't understand that, you don't even understand anatomy, you don't even know where your heart is. My heart is paining me. <laughs> you see? It's because we don't have this scriptural basis. The underpinnings. So when somebody takes an action in prayer, you watch them say, ooh, ooh, ooh. okay, I'll start taking the action. Then the Egyptians attempting to do the same, then they drown. Then you get frustrated. Not understanding that in this kingdom, listen carefully, what produces results is faith. Faith is based on the world. That part of communicating or exercising that faith is in the place of prayer. But don't worry, I'm going to get into all of that as we move on. But just note for now that prayer must be taught. Now, quickly, let's look at a scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Uh, shortly, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul the Apostle introduces us to a particular concept about prayer, which is very powerful. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. You have to understand for those that are interested in a little bit of um, uh, uh, understanding, uh, understanding, uh, having an overview of Bible, Bible books. The book of Ephesians, written by Paul the Apostle to the church in Ephesus, is one of the most profound books that shows us what goes on in the realm of the spirits. The book of Ephesians. That is where Paul tells us about we, do, we wrestle against principalities and power. That's where Paul tells us that we are seated in heavenly places. It's one of the most profound books that introduces us to this thing called the heavenlies, which we're going to talk about more next week. But anyway, here Paul is telling us something here. Paul says, praying always, just like Jesus said. But Paul now goes a bit further under the Holy Spirit, of course, and says, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. All prayer. Paul, what do you mean by all prayer? I thought prayer was only one dimensional. Paul here is introducing us to the fact that prayer is multi-dimensional. Please write it down. This is very important. This will reveal to some of us why we have been frustrated in the place of prayer. Prayer is multi-dimensional. It is not one-dimensional. Paul says, all prayer in the spirit, all prayer, praying always, consistency, all prayer, multidimensional. So prayer is multidimensional. Please write that down. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Now, because prayer is multidimensional, what this is basically telling you and I, is that one size does not fit all. One size does not fit all in the school of prayer. Please understand this part. 
One size does not fit all in the school of prayer. So in other words, you know, because this has confused me for many years before God helped me. You meet an average Christian, you ask them, well, why is he going? So we're praying. You know, we're believing God. We're praying. We've been praying. So normally for a pastor, when you say that, and you find out, have you been praying? The person says, I'm praying. So oh, okay, praise God. I know God answers prayer, so that's fine. But literally, you find out that the results they, they were talking, they, they were expecting, they didn't get. Then you start asking yourself two questions. One, does God really answer prayer? And this whole thing, or is it just at God's discretion? Sometimes he does it, sometimes he doesn't answer, he, whatever he does. And so we can never be sure. And if that's the case, then what's, what's the motivation to pray then? Or what is, going, what is really going on here? So I want to assure you first, according to scripture, that God has not called us to the place of prayer just to check our temperature. God answers prayers. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Now, I'm not, I, I know that virtually everybody here and those watching online, you have experienced answers to prayer in time past. But we don't want to base this on our experience. We want to base it on scripture. So let's look at at least three verses of scripture. Okay, maybe four. Ezra, not Esther. Ezra, chapter 8, verse 23. Ezra, chapter 8, verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God, or made the request, okay, of our God for this, something specific, for this. And what happened? He answered our prayer. God answers prayer. He answered our prayer. All right. Psalm 91, verse 15. Psalm 91, verse 15. God is speaking here. God says, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. This is a promise from God. Please keep this in mind. He said, I will answer him. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me, and I will answer. This is not a prophet speaking. This is God speaking. God said, call me, I will answer. God, no, I love this because God did not say, call me, and I will think about it. God did not say, call upon me, and I will see what I can do. Call me, and I will do what? Please don't let your experience nullify the impact of the scripture. Every one of us, including myself, We've been through it sometimes in our lives when we have prayed and we have not seen the answer. And that is what we're trying to solve right now. Don't let whatever you've been through in time past, you know, for some of us who are hearing this now, maybe at home or here, and you're saying to yourself, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. And God says, call on me and I will answer. Seriously? What about all the ones I pray? That's the, what we're trying to solve. Okay? But we can't solve that if you don't start from the premise that God answers prayers. You have to start from that premise. If not, you, you've, you've lost the whole plot. Satan has cheated you already. God answers prayers. If this scripture in Jeremiah 33 is, verse 3 is not true, then God cannot be God. Why? Because then he will have been found to be a liar. But the Bible tells us that God is not a man to lie. Neither is it the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, will he not do it? Has he spoken, will he not make it good? Jesus Christ said, heaven and earth shall pass away, not a jot. The tiniest part of the letter, 
will go of the world will go unfulfilled. God answers prayer. Joel chapter 2, verse 15 to 19. Joel chapter 2, verse 15 to 19. But let's go to verse 19 and give me the NLT version of verse 19. The Lord will reply. This is after they prayed and fasted. The Lord will reply, not the Lord may reply. Look, I'm sending you grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy your needs. And you shall no longer be an object of mockery. That is a prophetic word for somebody right there. He says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you what will stop people from mocking you. I will give you the answers that will eradicate the mockery you have been through in time past. God answers prayers. Can you say that with me, please? God answers prayers. Say that again, please. God answers One last time, say it with faith. God answers prayer. You have to believe in this fundamental. This is the foundation. Without this, it's a waste of time to pray. If you don't believe God answers prayers, it's a waste of time. God does answer prayer. He does. He says this in his word. Okay? Now, we said prayer is multidimensional. Now, so the question then is, how do I know which dimension of prayer, because we're going to go through a few dimensions of prayer over this next couple of weeks, how do I know which dimension of prayer to engage or which dimension or dimensions to engage at a particular time in my life? Okay? Because, you see, you can be faced with a particular issue Somebody else is faced with the same issue that looks exactly the same. But the dimensions of prayer will be different. Let me give you an example. One man came to Jesus who was blind in Mark chapter 10. His name is Bartimaeus. His prayer was simple. Son of David, have mercy on me. What, that dimension of prayer was the dimension of invoking the covenant of Abraham. Son of David, he called him by his messianic name. Have mercy on me. Jesus said, oh, come here. And he came. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Mark 10, 51. The man says, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said, go ahead. Receive your sight. And that was it. His eyes were open. Wow. Somebody else was blind. In Mark chapter 8, the same Mark chapter 8, Jesus got to Bethsaida and he saw this man. He was blind. Jesus called the man and came. The man came to Jesus. Jesus laid hands on him. I said, do you see anything? The man said, yeah, I can see men as trees. Jesus said, you will need a second touch. Called him again, laid hands on him a second time. Then he said, what about now? The man said, oh yeah, I see clearly now. Then Jesus said, please, don't go back into that town. Figure out your way out of that town. Don't go there again. Two different things. Now, somebody else might have had those testimonies that the first person called on the son of David. The second person, he was laying of hands. So I'm going, that's what I'm going to do if I'm blind. I, I'm also, that's how Jesus, Jesus does this thing. I'm also going to call on the son of David. It won't work like that. Okay? Then, so there was this other man that came. And he was born blind from birth. When Jesus saw him, Jesus called him and said, hey, you're born blind from birth. So the disciples were already applying what they have learned before. So they said, hey, who sinned? This man or his parents? This is in John chapter 9. Jesus said, no, not his parents, not, but that the glory of God might be manifested. So Jesus called the guy spat on the floor, made some clay, put it on his eyes, and told the man, go to Siloam, wash, and then you see. And the Bible says the man went, he washed, 
and he saw. And when the man was sharing his testimony, the man said, I was blind, and now I see. You see, same thing, same situation that presents itself in three, in same way, three different people, three different approaches. So how do I know? So I don't have a job. I don't have a job. I don't have a job. This one prays a simple prayer. This one has to do and something else. This one has to do something else. So you can't just say, okay, that's, this one didn't have a job. That's what they did and just copy it. That is why God has not left us helpless. He's giving us the helper called the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, Romans 8 14, listen carefully. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So we have to be led, listen carefully, by the Holy Spirit. And this happens in different ways. Okay? You can be led by the Holy Spirit when you're reading your Bible. Okay? In your personal devotional time, the Holy Spirit can prompt you towards a scripture or towards a particular dimension, which you do. Or you can be when we come together like this in the garden of believers, in the body of believers, and you hear a word, the word being preached, and the Holy Spirit in you steers you up to say, that's the dimension I want you to go. Okay? Just by you knowing. It just tears you up. You just feel a sense in you very strongly that you should go in that particular dimension. So keep this in mind. So today, for today, let's quickly look at two dimensions of this prayer. We'll talk about the first dimension, which is the most common dimension, and that's where many people stop. Then we'll look at another dimension, and we we'll continue next week. The first dimension I want us to look at, and this is where many people stop, is a dimension called petitions. Petitions. Unfortunately, many Christians think that prayer is only about petition. This is the reason why most Christians are frustrated in the school of prayer. They say, I've been praying about it. I've asked God for a job. I need gainful employment. I asked. I prayed. I'm tired. If God wants to do it, he should do it. If he doesn't want to do it, then that's fine. I'm okay. You know, they're tired because they've just done only petition. And petition is great. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and 8. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and 8 tells us about the petition dimension of prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Now listen to what it says now. Verse 8. Everyone come on. Everyone who asks receives. Now even as this scripture is coming forth now, some of you are hearing this now. You're like, whatever, because you don't believe everyone who asks receive. Why? Because you have asked and you, don't, you have not received. So this scripture, I don't know, maybe somebody's lying somewhere or somebody mistranslated the, the scripture. <laughs> but nobody's lying. God is Jesus is the truth. He doesn't just speak the truth. He is the truth. You see? Everyone who asks, receive. And he who finds... He will seek fights and he will knock. It is opened. Okay? So, in James chapter 4 verse 2, it says, you have not because you ask not. Ask. Then it says, ask. You should ask. Okay? He wants us to ask until our joy is fulfilled. So, petitions. So, petitions is the first dimension of prayer. It is the most common, the most popular dimension of prayer. So when we, when the, the, the rules or the laws that govern petition is simple. 
We must ask according to his will. First John chapter 5, verse 14. First John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, next verse, it says, We know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we have asked of him. So petition is the first dimension to prayer. Psalm 2 verse 8 says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost part. Okay? I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The uttermost part for your possession. So the laws that govern petition is that it must be asked according to the will of God. Okay? And it's also important that you are persistent, persistent in asking. Now, I won't go too much into petition because we know that. Everybody knows about petition. Uh, that's where, unfortunately, many Christians stop. And prayer doesn't stop there at all. Now, let's go back to, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. What Jesus said there. Everyone who asks, what did he say will happen to them? They receive. Please, speak to me this morning. Everyone who asks, what happens to them? Thank you very much. They receive. Note that word, receive. Now let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark eleven twenty-four. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray. What should happen? Believe that what? You receive them and you will Now let me, let me explain something to you which I won't go too much into now. I'll continue next week but listen carefully. You can never, I can never, we can never have what we have not received. Listen, listen carefully. You and I can never have what we have not received. Write it down, please. We are writing. The second thing I want to say to you quickly is this. You can never use on this earth what you have received. You can only use what you have. I'm going I'm to say that again. You can't have what you have not received. Okay? And the second one is even more powerful. You can't use or enjoy what you have received. You can only use or enjoy what you have. But I can't have it until I receive it. So this is telling you something quickly. It's telling you that there are many things that you have received but you don't have. You prayed. You received it but you don't have it. Keep this in mind. I'm going to explore this and talk about this a lot more next week. You have received many things, but you don't have it. You've received many things, but you don't have it. I will explore this a lot more next week. You can't, what you have received, you can't enjoy it. 
I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Oh, I'm really, really hungry. I wish somebody can just, what I need if I'm hungry is what? Please speak to me. What, what do I need if I'm hungry? How will I be able to solve that problem of hunger? What will I need to put in my body to apply to, for, the hunger, for me not to feel hunger pangs again? What is it? Food. So I asked my brother that is sitting in front of me now. I tell him my problem. You know, I'm really, really hungry. Oh, the brother said, oh, no problem. I'm happy. I said, can, I, can you help me? I'm hungry. He said, here's what I've said. I'm hungry. Then he gives me $20. Now, have I received something from him? But I still don't have food. I don't have food. Do I have food? I don't have food. But have I received something? So there are many things you have received, but you don't have. But I can't have food if I haven't received the $20. But now that I have received the $20, I have to now make sure that I have the food. Because what I'm really looking for is not the $20. So I'm going to talk about the dynamics of all of that next week. And it, it, it will interest you. And some of us will see the gaps where, where we are. So for today, understand that petition is one dimension. The second dimension I want to talk about today is the dimension of praise. Praise. Praising God. You know, sometimes we've, we see people say, oh, you know what, praise is the highest form of prayer. And we've said all of this. I've said it too, you know, over the years. And we say this sincerely. A lot of sincerity. You know, and there's no doubt about that. Praise is very high level of a dimension of prayer. But we need to know for what. For many of us, when we're praising God, or we're expressing gratitude to God, or we're talking about praising God, is we feel two emotions. For some, it's a sense of obligation. Oh, here we go again. I've got to praise him. He hasn't done anything too much for me lately, but I've got to praise him. Our Father, what in heaven? Oh, whatever. You know, and we do what we have to do. You know, just a sense of obligation, just a duty. For some people, they do it as a form of guilt. They feel a sense of guilt. Very few people do it as an act of faith. So I want to tell you today, praising God as an act of faith, as a dimension of prayer, two things he accomplishes quickly. He accomplishes more, but two things he accomplishes very quickly. Well, so the first one I will tell you, it is when it's combined with other dimensions of prayer. The second one, when it is combined with physical actions you have taken, either in your business, in your family, or in some other areas. The first uh, product or, 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 or fruit of praise as a dimension of prayer, when, as dimension of prayer, yeah, when combined with other forms of prayer, I'm, I'm talking about praise, not the praise that you use as a stamp on your letter of your petition. Of, after your father, give me a job, give me a job, Lord, give me a job. I have seven children at home. I have rent to pay, mortgage to pay. I have many bills to pay. Father, I just need a job as you can see me and all of that. So I pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I know you, you can do it. To you be glory forevermore. That's not the type of praise I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's great. But I'm talking of the praise whereby you carve out time. You make out 
time. Like you make out 30 minutes to pray, you make out time, one hour to pray, you take time of the 30 minutes or the one hour to actually praise. All right. What does it accomplish? The first thing it accomplishes, listen, is that it silences your enemy. It silences your enemy. Jesus Christ said, out of the mouth of babes, thou hast ordained praise to silence the avenger. Okay? This is a very important thing. To silence the enemy and the avenger. Psalm 8 verse 2. Jesus quoted this scripture also in the New Testament. Psalm 8 verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength, but Jesus called it praise when he quoted it. Okay? Matthew 21, 16, you are perfected praise. <laughs> you know, and it says to silence the enemy. You know, I'm going for an interview. I prayed the prayer of petition. To this morning is when I'm going for the interview or going to write the exam. I take my time of devotion to praise God. I know that when I get to the interview, after the interviewer has interviewed me and all of that, whatever is going on in that place, whatever suggestion wants to come into their mind, whatever fluidity of thoughts wants to come into their mind to say, mm, well, I'm, I'm still doubting, I'm still not sure about this guy, my praise shh, will silence it. Silences the enemy and the avenger. Praise. Let's look at Psalm 18, which is a psalm of victory. David was telling us here his victory. And David here in Psalm 18 was revealing to us a lot of principles about the realm of the Spirit. But let's look at only one of them. Verse 2, please. Verse 2, Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Keep going, please. Keep going. Look at verse 3. I will call upon the Lord. What is that? Prayer. I will call upon the Lord. Now look at the next thing. Who is worthy to be praised? So I will escape my enemies. I will be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's how I'm going to escape. So then it makes sense then. Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts number 16. The Bible says they prayed and they sang hymns. They sang songs. These were not silent songs of you humming inside your heart. Mm, amazing grace, how sweet that are. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But look at what the Bible says here. The prisoners were listening to them. So it wasn't a meditation in their heart. People were hearing them. They prayed and they were singing. Singing. And people, prisoners were hearing them. And the Bible says, suddenly there was an earthquake and all the doors flung open. They were saved from their enemies. I pray for somebody today in the name of Jesus as you pray and praise God, your enemies will be silenced in Jesus' name. God will silence the avengers in Jesus' name. When somebody decides and threatens your life and says, I will see to it that I destroy you, or I do this, I do that, I do that, 
That's an avenger. What you do, you pray, then you praise. When sickness comes into your body, that wants to avenge, wants to destroy you, you pray, then you praise. You pray, then you pray. And the Bible says, all the doors broke loose. All the doors. And every man's chains were loosed. I pray for total breakthrough for somebody today. That's the first thing that praise accomplishes. The second thing that praise accomplishes is this. You have been working hard. In your business, you work hard. Everybody knows you're a very diligent person. You have been sowing the seeds, a lot of input. You're reading your books. You're about to go and write an exam. You work very hard. But guess what? You are not seeing results that is commensurate with your effort. In other words, your effort is like gigantic. Your result is like very, very microscopic. Very small. How do I raise my result above my level of input? Listen carefully. It's praise. It's praise. Psalm 67. Actually, we start from verse 1 to 7. Psalm 67, verse 1 to 7. God be merciful to us and bless us. Cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth. You see, it's a law. It's a law. That your way may be known on the earth. He showed his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So this is a way of God. That's a law. Your salvation among the nations. Keep going. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Black people, white people, Asians, Caribbeans, wherever you are, Europeans. Let how many people? I can't hear you now. Young, old, all the people, nobody exempted. Verse 4. Let the nations be glad. And this praise, it says, it's not the praise of your heart. Someone says, well, God sees my heart. God knows I'm praising in my heart. That's great. That's wonderful. But this particular praise, let's follow what the scripture says. The scripture says, sing for joy. Sing. It is a sing for happiness. Happiness is what is happening around you. But joy is the one, is the fruit of the spirit in your heart. Inexpressible, full of glory. For God shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. All of the people, let them praise you. Verse 6. Then, then is telling you that this is an effect, not the cause. Then is telling you that what is about to happen now, you're about to see, is an effect of an action that was taken previously. And it says the earth will yield what? Increase. Come on now, it will yield what? And said, so this increase is because God blessed us. But, you see, using my imagination now, it means there are so many storehouses, so many people that God has given a scripted instruction to that, should, that they should facilitate increase in your life. But God has told them, hold it, don't move yet. Like he told David, I've given you victory against the Philistines, but don't move. Just wait. When you hear the sound on the mulberry trees, then you can move. God has told them, don't move yet. When they start praising me, then you move. And suddenly you start praising God, and you realize that favors are coming your way. Doors start opening, and you're wondering, what, what happened? What did I do? Well, you've done something before. You, were, you studied, you've done what you've 
you know, had a lot of input, and all the input you've had that's not, looks like it's not work, suddenly it starts showing up. Increase start coming your way. Why? Because now you're genuinely praising God, singing with joy. All the earth shall use that increase. Keep going, please. God will bless us. Then it goes on to say, God shall bless us. This is a categorical statement. He will bless us. And this blessing, the ends of the earth will see it. Everybody in your family, everyone around you, they will see it. This is a very important. That is why the Bible says, now I understand. That's what the Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 54, verse 1 and 2, as we wrap up now. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. What did he say you should do? Oh, I can't hear you. What should you do? Sing. I don't have a job. What should I do? I don't have a child. What should I do? I don't have a husband. What should I do? I'm not in a relationship. What should I do? Come on, what should I do? I can't pay my bills. What should I do? I can't lift my leg. What should I do? I'm still sick. What should I do? Sing. Is God a sadist? Can't you see my pain? No, he's not a sadist. God is a good God. He's telling you this is the law in the realm of the spirit. This is how it's going to be. Sing. He said, I know you, have, you don't have it yet, but sing. Then he tells you something. Look at what he says. Oh, thank you. God gave us instructions. He said, sing. But he didn't leave it there. He now says, break forth into singing. He says, sing. But immediately I said, sing. Because Satan knows something is about to happen. He tries to block you, to hold you up from singing. He, put, he does this by putting thoughts into your mind. What are you singing about? It's okay for your neighbor to sing, but not you. That person that is dancing, don't worry, it's because they just got a new job. That one is because he got, got married. That one is because he just had a child. That one is just because he's just been promoted. That's why they're praising God. But you, what has God done for you? So you don't sing. But that's why God said, break forth. That means push aside those thoughts. Irrespective of how you are feeling. Break forth. And it says, cry aloud. Even if you have to shout, Jesus! To break that barrier that wants to keep you from praising God. He said, do it. Then he said, listen now. What's going to happen to you? You who have not labored with child. In other words, it doesn't look like you're pregnant. You have no interview yet now. You've sent out resumes, no leads, nothing, no interview. Nobody has even said they've seen your resume. God said, it looks like there's no child. No evidence at all that goodness is coming. That's what he's saying. When you see a pregnant woman, there's an evidence and a timeline that goodness is about to come. So how many months for pregnant? Say, oh, three months. Okay, in six months' time, something is going to happen. You know, you can see the evidence and you can see the timeline. Right now, there's no evidence. There's no timeline. He said, you have not labored with child. He said, but more are the children. Oh, I see somebody now. Many doors will open for you. Then it says in verse 2, Kabakule Mateliana. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Something's about to happen. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Let your cords. Why? God, why? It says, keep going, please. It says, stretch your stakes. Verse 3, keep going, please. He said, because you will expand to the right. Come on now. You will expand to the left. That is going to be the portion of somebody here. Oh, you are changing levels this morning. You are changing levels this morning. The time has come for Christians to learn this. 
I prayed. Now I want to praise. It will silence my enemy. It will stop the avenger. And guess what is going to happen? It's going to yield increase. So it should not be unusual in your life. I'll repeat that. It should not be unusual in your life. That time comes in your life when you've gone for an interview, it looks like nothing is working, no leads, nothing. He, go back to that verse one for me, please. He who has not labored with a child, no physical evidence that goodness is coming. But that's the time when you begin to sing aloud. That's the time when you begin to dance. That's the time when you begin to sing aloud. I can hear a song coming up in somebody's spirit. I can hear a song coming up in somebody's spirit. Why? Because when there's no physical evidence, it's not the proof that there's no spiritual reality. Lack of physical evidence does not mean there's no spiritual reality. You see, listen, you need to learn as the business person to go to your business one hour before you open to, the, to everybody. Open your business and lock the door before you open to everybody. You and God are inside the place. And you start singing and praising God inside the place. Exuberantly. Lord, the last couple of months and weeks have been extremely slow. Customers are not coming. You know, creditors are coming, but not customers. Debtors are not paying. Things are a little bit hard. At this rate, naturally, the trajectory is that the business might close up. It might not be a going entity anymore. However, you alone are God. From the beginning to the end, there's no argument about that. Then you start praising God and you start dancing. God said, Who is that? Who is that? Who exactly is that? Then it's you. What you're doing without the physical evidence when you start praising God is that you're opening avenues for yourself. What is the spiritual reality? That becomes a physical manifestation. It surprises everybody, but it should not surprise you because you knew what you did. You start praising God. I can't tell you personally as I close now. How many times I have obeyed this reality in my life? I can't tell you. Many times when I've had somebody tell me something, well, it, it looks like it's very bad news. Very bad news. And I, I must let you know, standing before God and before God's people, I've been through what I, I easily call my first year in life. Jesus said, in this world, you go through tribulations. I think I've been through my first year. I can tell you of different dimensions. I can tell you this is part of the key secrets. You don't, we don't praise God out of guilt or out of obligation. Oh, here we go again. We do it because this is faith. It's an act of faith. It looks like it did not work out in the natural, but it has worked out in the spiritual. I will not, he that observes lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Then you start praising God. Start praising God. Start praising God. Isn't it God that told me, come to Macedonia, come and help us? Acts chapter 16, verse 9. Was it not God? Macedonia is a region. Philippi is one of the cities in that region. Is it not God? Then I went to the city of Philippi and look at what has happened. They threw me in prison. It looks like it's not working out. But Paul and Silas, they prayed and they praised God. And the Bible says, in their physical environment, prison, all doors open. But all doors open physically was an indication of the season of the life of Paul. All doors open to Paul spiritually. There's no church this morning where we're preaching, where what Paul said has not been quoted. Because all doors open. Everywhere. You will quote the book of Romans. Oh, Ephesians, I've quoted Paul several times this morning now. Ephesians said, Romans says, Paul is being quoted. 
because he wrote Ephesians, he wrote Romans. All doors open to him. Paul is there thousands of years ago now, but all doors open to him. In the Caribbean islands now, they're having church this morning, Paul was speaking there. In Africa, Paul was speaking. In Asia, Paul was speaking. South America, Paul was speaking. In every language this morning now, Paul has been speaking. Because all doors open to you. Friends, your business will go everywhere it's ordained to go. Your career is about to shift to a new level. Your family is about to move to a new level. In the name of Jesus, we're about to see healings this morning like we've never seen before. God is about to promote you financially. Come on, if that is you, you know you will express increase. Give him a show. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.